My name is Aaron Sharma, and I am your host and advocate for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse, all things mental health, and addiction. Beneath the Mask platform is here to demystify the stigmas surrounding mental health, sexual abuse, and addiction. The stories and conversations may convey graphic and jarring realities. BTM refuses to turn the other way and instead chooses to tackle the stigma head-on. Please note that what you're about to hear is extremely sensitive and triggering. We hear and see through many different platforms advocates bringing light and awareness to sensitive issues such as those I advocate for. And fortunately, many brave and courageous souls come forward to share their stories to normalize the battles and to reduce the stigmas. Stories and struggles with mental health, addiction, sexual abuse, and so much more. What I also believe is important to hear are the stories of those who welcomely and voluntarily provide their support and aid to those they love and care about who are dealing with or who have dealt with this decapitating issue. Why is this important? Well, let's be honest. As a civilization, we are finally talking more and more about mental health, and this is exactly what the world needs to fight stigma. There is a lot of information out there on understanding mental health and the steps that should be taken to provide the appropriate care. This is great knowledge to lean on. However, it can be overwhelming and scary for those who are trying to provide the appropriate care to those they love. The last thing anyone wants to do is make things more difficult for someone who is dealing with this decapitating issue. It's not easy. Sometimes just hearing stories or getting advice from someone who knows firsthand what it's like to deal with someone who is struggling can also be great information to lean on. No different than going to your friend to get advice to how to deal with something. It's terrific food for the mind. So who is your guest today? Well, let's give her a call. Hello. Hi, thanks for coming on the show. So oh. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No problem. Well, so guys, your guest today is none other than the strongest woman I know, a woman who stuck by my side from day one, my number one supporter and fan, my wife, my rock, my heart, the mother of my children, the love of my life, Manpreet Sharma. Welcome to the show, my love. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so for the purposes of professionalism and to give you, the audience, 100% authenticity, everything you hear today is unfiltered. Manpreet has her own story to tell, and everything she talks about today is guided by her own thoughts and her thoughts alone. So you, uh, you ready to begin? I am. All right, let's go. Uh, so... You know, let's uh, begin by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I was born and raised in a small town up north called Prince George. Um, I don't know if too many people know about it, but I've got one older brother and one younger sister. So that makes me the, the middle child. <laughs> um, I have lived in, I did live in Prince George for most of my life, but I moved to Vancouver at the end of 2005. Um, I lived with some family for a little while and then uh, my brother, while he was traveling, once he came back, we lived together and that was pretty much my first experience living without my parents. So that was definitely something else. Um, 
fast forward and got married to you in 2014. And like you said, we've got two little boys. Um, and just a little small fun fact about me that not many people know is that I love country music. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not too many people know that. But you, growing up in Prince George, it's all, it's almost a must. Yeah. And, and I have to be honest, you know, I there was a point in my life I where I just absolutely hated country music, but it wasn't until I met my wife. <laughs> Yep. I converted now, you. Yeah, she converted me completely. Now I'm all about that life. Yep. It's uh, good music. Yeah, it, you know what? It is. It is. I've even seen Luke Bryan in concert two times. I've seen Keith Urban, so I've had my fair share of country uh concerts as well. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I, I'm yet to go to one. I'll I'll leave that up to you yeah. <laughs> to decide which one which concert we're gonna go to when it comes to country. Yeah. So Explain your journey and uh, your story in regards to your experience dealing with someone who you loved, who you cared about, who endured mental health issues. What was that like for you? It was definitely something different. Um, At first, I had no idea basically what was going on or that anything was even wrong. I just kind of went with it. I, I had no idea that I should be looking for any signs of mental health issues or looking for signs of anything else. I just thought, you know what, this is perfectly normal nothing's going on like I had absolutely no idea um I did definitely notice some changes in you but I didn't really think too much about it because every time I asked you about it I basically I would take your word for it Mm -hmm. and you would tell me that you're fine or that you're tired you're just not feeling well and I thought okay well you know what maybe he's just not feeling well or maybe he is tired so I didn't question it because I thought everything is completely fine. But then as I noticed moving forward, I had no idea why you would lay in bed all day. You would either be sleeping, you would be kind of laying in the dark, you'd stay up all night. And I remember I would get mad at you and say, listen, you've got to get yourself into a better bedtime routine. But it never really happened. So I thought, you know what? He's a grown man. He will go to bed when he wants. I'm not his mother. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So you, but then you started to miss work and you kind of also stopped caring about your well-being and kind of just caring about yourself in general. And even I remember when we first met, you always had your beard trimmed, your hair cut, your nails trimmed, all of that. And I thought, you know what, this guy takes good care of himself, <laughs> but it, it stopped. It kind of just slowly, slowly started to fade. You kind of stopped shaving, stopped um, really caring about what you look like. And then along with that came with came limited interaction basically with anyone else. At that point, it was basically, well, you were only interacting with me and our one son at that time. And I had no idea why. I still, I just took your word for it. You told me you were fine. So I said, okay, he is fine. Um, I did still try to keep an eye on you and try to still kind of get you back into the swing of things, but it just, it didn't work there. I didn't know what to do. And that's when I think you knew that I kind of was picking up on something. And then finally at the beginning of 2019, I believe that's when you told me what had happened, that you had been sexually abused by a family member at a very young age. And at that point, I didn't even know what to feel that's when we were sitting at the temple in the parking lot and I didn't even know what to feel 
because I just had so many feelings come over me. Yeah. yeah. I was basically, I was angry that this happened to you. I was sad that it happened to you, but I was also so anxious to do something about it because I knew I'm, that I wasn't going to let this side. I can't just pretend that, okay, well, it happened before. Let's get over it. No, that wasn't the case. I was so anxious to do something about it. But at the same time, I was confused because at this point, we had known each other for 10 years and we had been together for nine years and been married for five. So I was confused about why you didn't tell me earlier. Right. Why Why did you feel that this was something you had to hide from me? Why did? Why was it something that you couldn't just tell me all those times that I asked you, are you okay? Are you okay? What's wrong? And you didn't tell me like, I, I just had felt like I had so many questions, but at the same time, I knew this wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. But also in that moment, everything kind of from the past year started to make sense. Why you were laying in bed? Why were you staying? Why you were staying up all night? Why you were missing work? Everything kind of came back to me like a, a flashback. All that sounds very, um, it sounds very tough. You were um, essentially just hit with an influx of information. Mm-hmm. Here you are trying to be a wife. Uh, you're tr- trying to be my biggest supporter. You've been married to me at that point, And, you know, you didn't know anything about that. Did, did you feel as if there was a, um, a breach in, in, in trust uh, did you feel like I should have came forward with the information earlier? Did you feel betrayed somehow? What was that like for you as it relates to the the impact that that had on you? I never felt betrayed. Not once did I ever sit there and think that, oh my goodness, he betrayed me. Like he betrayed our trust. He did this. He did that. It was more, I definitely did think, why didn't he tell me? Like, why couldn't he tell me earlier? Like, We've been together for so long. Why couldn't he tell me? But that's when I told myself that, you know what? This is his story. This is his own time. He needs to do it when he's ready. If I was to push that out of you before you were ready, I don't think you would have been able to go through the process you needed to go through. Mm -hmm. If that was the case, if I pushed it out of you, instead of you telling me on your own terms when you were ready to do so. So in regards to your, your relationship with me, Sure enough, you, you you know you're dealing with all this information. Uh, you know you're you're dealing with our boy at the same time. With all this new information now, how did my trauma affect your relationship with others? Then you know how did you deal with my trauma affect you that way? Um, it was difficult. It was definitely really hard because at this point you had basically only told me about it and I, it wasn't my place to go and share this story with anybody else. This is your story. So I had to basically hide it from everybody and not show that you had even told me anything, but it became hard because now that we have a son, we're being invited to more kids, birthday parties, more family get togethers, more family events. And every single time that I was going, it was just me and Arnoa. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single time I had to make make up an excuse. There was times where I didn't even want to go. And I thought, you know what, maybe it might be better for me to just say, I'm not feeling well, instead of me showing up just us two again and saying, oh, he's not feeling well, or 
he had to get called or he got called into work. He had an appointment. I was basically thinking of any excuse that I could and trying not to repeat those excuses because I didn't want anybody to say, well, she's saying the same thing every single time. But people notice they they know that, OK, there's got to be something going on. But. I also had to keep attending these things because it was for our, our son as well. I didn't want him to miss out on these things. And you also said the same thing that you didn't want him to miss out, but it's just not your time to be out with anybody right now. So, so I kept going and I kept making excuses. And every single time I felt guilty because I thought I, I was being selfish in a way. Cause I'm going, well, why can't he just come for a bit? Why do I have to sit here making these excuses? But I also knew I had to stop and tell myself, you know what, he will when he's ready. And that's completely fine. But everybody would ask, oh, where is he? Where is he? So I'm trying to make up these um, excuses for as long as I can. And it got hard. It got even harder every single time. But it was what it was. And I know everybody, maybe once I left, they were maybe talking amongst themselves um, wondering why you were not coming out to anything. Was everything okay with them? Uh, why isn't he showing his face? Why isn't mm -hmm. he attending anything with his family? Like, I wonder what's going mm -hmm. on. But I mean, it's natural for people to think these things. Think, well, okay, well, why is only why are only two of them coming? Like, where where is he? Right? Like, what have we done? Like, maybe people think like, what have we done for him to not like us or something? You know? Yeah, I hear you. For the audience that doesn't know our background, come from a Sikh background, so. In our culture, whenever a significant other doesn't show up at the party, <laughs> it gives uh, a whole lot of things to talk about and speculate over, right? Are they okay? Yeah. Is there relationship issues? And I and I imagine that's quite normal for other cultures as well, too. But in our culture, it's completely amplified. It's uh, uh, to a whole nother uh, level where um, it starts false rumors for no reason, right? So exactly. all that aside... Um, you mentioned that you continue to go. You continue to go to these events. To you, did that feel like you were supporting your significant other here, your husband? Why did you keep going then if that's, you know, what it was like? I, well, like I said before, I, I basically kept going because it was for our son as well, right? Like, he doesn't know what's going on. He's too young to understand what's going on. So I didn't want to take these things away from him. And I also knew that you weren't ready to go. So... I'm not going to force you to do something that you're not ready to do. So as long as I knew that, you know what, you're okay with us going and I know you're going to be okay, then that's why I would take him. It, it'd be really hard for me to explain to him as well when he's at this age now, almost four years old and having him look back and be like, Oh, how come I never went to any birthday parties? How come mm -hmm. I didn't do this? Mm -hmm. He's not going to understand anything at this age. Whereas now I can show him pictures and he, got to build that relationship with his cousins and mm -hmm. and and be there with them right so i i do feel like i was supporting you in a way because i didn't pressure you into going i mean right. i would ask you but i never pressured you into going i never i at least i don't think i made you feel guilty about not attending i felt as if i respected your decision i mean there was obviously i wish <laughs> you were there but i i couldn't force you i i wasn't gonna pick you up over my shoulder and carry you into the car. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it sounds like, uh, just support, right? So yeah. essentially that's what we're talking about here from what it sounds like is, is just to 
support. I mean, did did you feel at any point in time um, that I wanted to go or that I that I made you feel guilty in not going? Um, what was that like? Um, no, I don't think you made me feel guilty. There was times where I knew that you were, if, if you were having a really bad day, I knew to make this, the smart decision and stay home. But if I knew you were okay, then that's when I would go. But no, you never, definitely never um, made me feel guilty at all. And it's also because as time did go on, I think you started to be a little bit more open with me in regards to your feelings and, mm-hmm. and your mental health. And that made me more aware of all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's when you actually kind of started speaking to me about things that I didn't even know that you had felt. And one of those things was you having suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was a a huge thing. I had no idea that that had even occurred to you, but um, that's why even once I did learn about this, I kind of felt like I was a little bit on edge at all times. And even when I was going out, I was stressed out at the same time, making mm. like thinking like, is he okay at home? Is he going to do anything to harm himself? Like, should I get my parents to go check on him? Should I get my parents to go hang out with him and all that? But then what am I supposed to tell them? Because they don't even know your story yet. So they're going to think, well, why do you need us to kind of go check on him? Like what's going on? And right. Not yeah. my, not my place to, to, tell your story that was for you to tell when you were ready well how, how did this uh impact your your intimate relationship with 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 me then with your you know uh, with obviously your your husband being by me <laughs> uh, i'm trying to not i'm i'm trying to um for the sake of transparency maybe we should just refer to um this in uh, first person and, and second person instead of third person <laughs> questions <laughs> yeah so yeah how, how did how did uh you know, how did that impact your intimate relationship with me then? It's uh, our relationship. I think it's been very hard. It has been a harder relationship, but it's been a relationship that's worth it to me. Um, we've had so many good days, but we've also had so many bad days and hard days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it also has to do with me feeling almost mentally and physically exhausted. And especially now with two kids that I do forget to set aside time for you. I do forget to set aside some time for myself. Mm-hmm. And it, it it becomes hard because I'm not giving you the attention that you need. I'm not checking in on you. I'm not um, putting in that effort the same way that I was before. So I think it has impacted because you feel it as well. You, you're, you feel me not checking in on you. And it's almost like, I'm putting you in a position where you might feel like you can't talk to me as much because I haven't given you that time. I haven't given that effort. And that's definitely something that I'm working on. Um, and But there's been times where by the end of the day, I basically sit there for about a half an hour or to an hour after the kids go to bed. And I don't even think about I should go spend time with him or maybe I should see if he's okay or if he's not okay, I I just feel so drained that I go to my side of the bed and I go to sleep mm-hmm. and I forget to check in. And that's one of the things that I think has had a huge impact on our relationship because 
I think at the beginning I was really good. And then I think once you, I see the progress, I forget. Oh, I see. And yeah. I forget to check in. I think, oh, he's good. He, he's, you know, he's had a good day, but mm-hmm. I have to check in to see what's underneath. Like, you might be okay, but are you like, are you actually okay? And, and that's one of the things when I get mentally drained, I think I, I just need to get a better kind of routine for myself and time management to, to make sure I'm making that time for you. And for me as well, if I'm not making time for myself and making sure I'm at my best, how, how can I expect anybody else to kind of be better if I'm not checking in? Right. Yeah, you're... you're already going through so much that I can't expect. I wouldn't expect you to check in all the time with everybody else. I, it, it's. I feel like it's my, um, my part to play to make sure you're okay. So you would agree that an ongoing check in with someone who is dealing with mental health issues is important, right? Oh, hundred percent. And um, it sounds like that you are acknowledging a little bit that, um, you know, that there was uh, initially at the start, um, there was constant check-in, but over time it, it, uh, that, that seemed to um, go away. And that was only because of uh, what you were looking at. You were looking at a guy who was applying and applying and applying and getting better and healing and being more open. And so that uh, I imagine just seemed to, um, perception is everything, right? So exactly. you, you perceived, oh, you know, he's okay. And, and as a result, um, you, um, you didn't check in as often anymore. Right. Exactly. But I, I don't think that's an intentional thing, right? No, right? not at all. It yeah. just, we had another kid. <laughs> we, we had another yeah. kid one year after that you had, you had told me and things got so crazy because I'm learning how to juggle. I'm still, I'm, Every single day I'm learning, uh, he's growing, he's needing more attention. And then Arnoa is needing more attention. And I'm still basically learning how, how do I play this all out? How do I make sure that I'm not, not checking in? Yeah. How, how do I, how do I make sure that, you know what, because I'm that type of a person, I want to make sure everybody is taken care of before I take care of myself. I'm very bad at self-care. I don't do it. So but the only problem is, is I also need to do a little bit better at <laughs> making sure I just I, I continue to check in no matter how your day is. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you have been um, fabulous. Um, I think what ends up happening is, and, and this is from my own experience, this is my own personal battles with mental health, is that for me, it was such a selfish issue. For, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted attention all the time if i didn't have it you know it would translate to no one cares no one loves me you know uh it would be so much self-defeating thoughts and and uh it it would ruin my whole entire day right so Mm -hmm. you think that you um could have done better in terms of checking in well now that i'm on the other side in terms of being stable now I look back and think she did marvelous. You you did an excellent job. I just think what ends up happening is because of my experiences, it clouded all judgment, right? It clouded all perception. No one was thinking clearly, um, and, and it created such a difficult uh, environment. And I understand that, and I acknowledge that. At the same time, I wonder, how did you maneuver all that? Does a part of you feel like you should have 
done more in other areas? Did you feel as if maybe you needed more help to try to um, get through to me? Talk about that a little bit. Um, I think I definitely could have used a little bit more help because there were times where I felt like almost giving up because I thought, you know what, I can't get through to him. I can't. And I knew that it was your anxiety and I knew it was your mental health, but I was at a point where I didn't know what to do. I absolutely had no idea what to do. And, but I think once that you had actually about a year after you told me everything that had happened, you came out with your story basically. Well, before that you came out to um, your mom, you told other family members about your story. You even told my parents and you posted your story basically to the world about, about it on, on social media. And I think once that happened it kind of almost as much as it might have it probably lifted a weight off of your shoulders it did for me as well because it felt like I can finally talk to somebody who might be able to help me who I might be able to get a little bit of guidance from who I might be able to on on a day where I feel like I can't do this anymore I can reach out to somebody and and basically the only person that I really talked to was my sister I don't have a big group of friends and I'm okay with that growing up in Prince George you don't have a big huge circle of friends it's a small town and I just didn't feel comfortable talking to friends about this it's it's a situation that I would rather speak to my sister about so there was days where I felt like I can't do this I don't know what to do I almost feel like packing up and leaving because he's better off just kind of doing it himself like I'm just making things worse but she talked me out of it like she she calm me down. My anxiety at that point was almost at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt anxious. I I was even hiding the keys from you at nighttime because I didn't want you to, to go anywhere at night without me. I was stressing about you being by yourself. It was so much that was just going on that I didn't know what to do. So mm-hmm. at, at that point, I had no help. But then when I did speak with my sister, like I said, she was definitely um, a big part of helping me kind of get through those emotions and and helping me to learn to, you know what, you have to put those emotions aside a little bit. Um, you have to um, stop thinking, well, why doesn't he care about how I feel? Because there was some times where I thought that, you know what, why can't he care about how I feel? Why can't he see that I need to be checked in on too? And why can't he just give me a break? Like, I just need a break. Right. But that's when I sit and remember and and she would help me as well that it doesn't have as much to do with me as it does with you because you are the one that went through the abuse. You are the one that went through the struggles growing up. You are the one that is trying to break free from all of this and not me. And you are the one trying to get justice for yourself and not me. So it's it's at those times that I kind of just had to stop and take a breath and I would talk to her, kind of let it all out and she would help me with not being so selfish and and think about you and what you're going through because I know damn well it isn't easy. Yeah. And I know what you have gone through to get to where you are. So Yeah. I don't know. I think I think it's something that is a little bit back and forth, but uh it's it's something that together we're kind of getting through. Yeah. It sounds very yeah. it sounds very, very challenging, you know. Um mm-hmm. it sounds very, very challenging. Yeah. How, how did um? What was the hardest part about 
all these experiences and, and how did you, how did you overcome it then? Um, I think the hardest part, one of the hardest parts for me was, um, the fact that I, I felt like I was always thinking like, am I doing enough or am I doing too much or am I even making it worse by hiding his keys? Is that going to trigger an anger in him? Mm. Is that going to make him think that I don't trust him? Like, right, what can right. I do better? Mm what can I do less of? Like, it's always felt like I just wasn't almost being good enough. Like I, I didn't know what to do. And I, I, even if I didn't show it, it's, I was always constantly thinking about it. And at that point it started to begin, become really overwhelming for me. Yeah. And that's, like I said, I, I would talk to my sister. I also, I was, the, um, I talked to a few counselors as well Yeah. because sometimes your family is going to tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear. Right. Exactly. So yeah. that's why I had to speak to somebody outside of the family, outside of the friend circle. But um, that definitely helped as well. I, I strongly believe that everybody needs counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really great thing. It's helped you. You've gone to counseling and 100% gotten you to where you are today. And that's another thing. I think I couldn't do it alone. If you didn't have counseling, if you didn't have all the the um, help that you had aside from me, there's no way I would be able to do it. I'm, I'm hearing all this and as I try to do my best to comprehend everything that you're telling me, obviously you've dealt with someone who has endured um, very difficult mental health issues. You agree that dealing with someone like myself in that situation it is not easy from somebody's end who's trying to provide love support care and try to do their best to uh, keep this individual stable it's not easy right no um and so you're saying that by by checking in with a counselor to help give you the tools and resources to be able to um deal with and manage someone who is dealing with these type of issues is something that you would recommend very strongly yeah yeah because not only for the other person but for you if you want to get through this if you want to come out strong i i don't think anybody can do this truly without counseling yeah. it's needed it's it's not something easy that can be done it's not I know a lot of people might think that, okay, well, she just had to be there for him. Like, you know, right. Yeah. No, it's it's it, so easy. Yeah. Right. It's so easy just to be there for someone. Uh, yeah. That's, it's that's the, so much more than that. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, much more than that. More than that. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, I can sit there and just talk to you and check. Are you okay? But you know what? There's it's, it goes deeper than that. There's so much more to it. There's so many more emotions, so much more trauma, so much more struggle. There's just, so much more behind it than just being there for that person. You have to give your all to that person. Right. You have to, or otherwise it, it's just, you're not going to be able to help them. And, and if you don't get that counseling to help yourself as well, you won't come out as, as, as I personally, I, I think I came out stronger than I thought I would, but that's also, that's because of the counseling. What sort of tools, um, did you gain from counseling that allowed you to deal with me, you know, who was dealing with a very, very, very complex and difficult mental health issues at the time? 
Um, well, in terms of tools, um, it wasn't really as much tools. I was given more kind of exercises, like breathing exercises and kind of given mm. reminders that because um, I there would be times where I would panic and, and feel like I just can't breathe. This is too much for me. And so I was given kind of more breathing exercises. I was given um, kind of it, it was more somebody to talk to me, to tell me how to deal with the situation, how to this right. is how I remember that it's not about me. Right. Scenario and, based almost. right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And knowing that, you know what, you have to remember what he's gone through because you don't know what he has gone through. I don't know what you've gone through. I have not personally experienced it. Right. And right. I had a tendency to forget that mm. so that's what they kind of helped me with to kind of think that you know what you have to put yourself in his shoes at this point right because right. if it was you would just talking about it be enough what do you feel is a huge misconception uh, with mental health i think that the biggest misconception with mental health is that people don't realize how real it is mm. um it's real. It has never really been talked about and it is being talked about a lot more now. But I personally believe that everyone has some sort of a mental health issue. Um, and they might not even know that they have it, but I think everybody does have some sort of a mental health issue that they're dealing with, but just on different levels. Yours is a very, I don't know how I would put it, high risk because of what you've been through. Right. You've been through um, abuse you've been through everything like you've seen them um, you've gone through mental abuse sexual abuse physical abuse all of that growing up mm. so yours is very high and so it's understanding I the think, risk factors that go along with someone who has endured that type of abuse right yeah so yeah. um you know i i for all those that don't know um there's a lot of statistics out there um, in terms of uh, severity, right? There, There's mental health, but there's different types of mental health and there's different severities that come with that, right? And mm -hmm. so um, essentially what you're saying is to understand that, that level of severity and how to deal with that, right? Exactly. But I do, like I said, I don't think a lot of people realize how real mental health is because yeah. Yeah. it's just not, it hasn't been talked about in the past. And I just think in the past couple of years, it's been talked about a little bit more, mm -hmm. especially with this pandemic. I think people are <clears throat> starting to realize that mental health is real um, because they're realizing, okay, we can't go out and how much that impacts you. Yeah. How much of a difference it has on your, on your mental health. And, and now that it's being talked about, people are actually finally starting to see that, but that's I. That's what I think the biggest misconception is that people don't realize how real it is. Yeah, I hear and you. And what it couldn't do to a person. We lost a family member who had committed suicide and left a note, and it was all because of mental health. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah it, it's yeah. yeah, it's very very real. Why do you think people should seek help and discuss their mental health? How do you think we should? Uh, encourage more people to have uh, strength in, in themselves. And when I ask that question, I want you to think about it from your position where you had to help someone and aid someone through the uh, process of recovery. Mm -hmm. And also from just from your own personal view of it outside of that, why do you think people should discuss their mental health issues and, and how we can encourage more people to do it? Um, I think that if 
people don't seek help and don't talk about it, it's never going to get better. Mm. You're only asking for it to get worse. Um, and that was for, that's when I started to realize that I needed to talk about what was going on with you with somebody else, because otherwise you're basically a ticking time bomb. The more you hold it in, the more you, you keep it to yourself. It comes to a point where you just can't do it anymore. And it's going to, it, it, a lot of times it will result in the worst possible scenario. So I think that um, if if you don't seek help and you don't talk about it, it it's just going to be a disaster. Talking about it is the best way to get help. And the more you talk about it, the more you're going to help others talk about it. Um, I think that with you sharing your story, I think you've probably helped dozens of people maybe even talk about their story with somebody else, even if it starts with them talking about it with one person, mm. but you've helped them talk about it. You've helped them not keep it in. Still, sometimes I keep things in, but now I'm slowly starting to learn that, you know what, I need to talk about it. So through that process of, of dealing with me, who during that, that phase of mental health issues, how did you go about encouraging me to talk about it? You know, and try to translate that to um, other people. How did you try to get me to talk about those things? And, and how do you think other people um, who are in your position can can um, benefit from that? Um, I think for the way I did it, I because I remember there was times where you thought, you know what, I feel good today. I don't need counseling. Because you, you said that a, yeah. a few oh, times. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. But I think the way that I kind of got through to you about it was I had to almost remind you and say, listen, you might feel good today, but you might not feel good tomorrow. But if you talk to your counselor, you might have another 10 good days. Right. Yeah. So it was almost like just reassuring you that, you know what, you've come this far. You can't just just because you're having a good day, not talk to your counselor. You can't just because you're having a good day doesn't mean that you can't talk to me about something that might have bothered you a few days ago just right. because you're having a good day doesn't mean that you mm-hmm. are gonna have another 10 good days you still need to talk about it yeah 100 percent agree with that yeah and that's the thing i think i kept kind of reminding you and i did kind of get on your you know what a little bit about <laughs> making sure you went to those counseling and i remember there was every single time you said you know what i'm glad you made me do that yeah because definitely. i feel yeah. even better i feel even better i remember i used to have those days where i used to just wake up and feel absolutely amazing that i could conquer the world that you know what i'm good yeah and then only to uh, feel a couple of days later that i'm just such a mess and such a disaster yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. You know, I used to always be reminded to just go in, check in, even if you're having a good day, go in, check in anyways, because in the future, when you are having a bad day, it'll be, it will feel as if you're having almost a, a good day anyways, just because mm-hmm. you've unloaded so much in counseling. I guess what I'm saying is you mitigate any future uh, potential of feeling so shitty about yourself by constantly just going to counseling, even if if it's a day when you think you're good. Yep. And I'm so glad that I, I always used to be reminded of just going to counseling because I would just, even on the days I felt so good, I would feel so much better just coming out of counseling, you know? Exactly. Because yeah. I remember there were times when you would go to counseling and you would talk about something that you didn't even realize didn't might realize have been bothering you. It was bothering me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... after counseling you talk about it and that's what would make you feel that much better yeah exactly so that's the key here so you're essentially just saying 
those who are in your position who are providing aid and care to someone who is dealing with this decapitating issue is to just always remind them the importance yeah, of counseling. Exactly. And ongoing help. Yeah. Piggybacking off of that, um, mm-hmm. how do you view mental health for men? Um, for me, I think mental health is is the same as it is for women. Mm-hmm. And that's real. It's they're in just the same way as it is for women. Um, mental health doesn't have a gender. Right. It's right. a disease that will and can affect anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad because there's just so much stigma behind mental health with men. Because I think that people can be very blinded by the fact that, yes, men too can be abused in in any which way or mm-hmm. men too can go through a major loss men too can go through heartbreak and men too can go through the same thing that a woman can mm-hmm. it's it, like i said it has no gender and us women we talk about wanting to be treated equally to men but then why should men not be treated equally to women when it comes to mental health mm-hmm. why should they be treated any less if they have mental health, why should there be a stigma between a stigma behind um, mental health for men? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't see any difference in mental health for men and mental health for women because mental health is mental health. Yeah. Mental health doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care what color skin you have. It doesn't care what, what sex you are, what your preferences are. It doesn't care yeah. how old you are, how exactly. how young you are. It can be brought upon by so many issues, of course, unchecked issues, but it can really shower over anybody, you know, this whole issue. And I like the way you said it, men and women, there's no difference. Mental health issues is mental health issues. Exactly. Um, That's the key here. That's That's what's important to understand. And if everybody wants to push this agenda forward and push this awareness forward, then every single person who is involved in this process, who wants to get involved in this process in terms of spreading awareness and tackling the stigma, everybody needs to work together, right? Everybody needs to be on board with it together. You need to be on board with it together and tackle it together. Exactly. What advice would you give to someone who is currently dealing with someone with mental health issues? And I know Um, we've touched on it. Yeah, we've touched on it a lot actually throughout this interview. Um, but yeah. if you could just summarize it, just so the audience understands, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, we we hear a lot from advocates. They do a lot in terms of um, spreading the awareness on social media platforms. We hear a lot of stories of brave souls coming forward, uh, sharing their stories and their struggles. But unfortunately, what we don't hear a lot of is people on the other side who's had to or who is trying to do the best they can to provide support and, and love and care to someone who is struggling. And obviously, just based on our interaction together here in this interview, that it's it's obviously not an easy thing to deal with. And that person who's providing the support and aid to someone who is struggling that person needs to be well equipped to deal with someone who is struggling. Yeah. You, you can't just go into that blindly. There's a there's a there's a big responsibility that comes with that, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of anxieties that come with that. And and so I know we touched on counseling, the importance of counseling and developing tools and resources to provide to someone who is struggling. And I know you mentioned, of course, reminding them, which is huge. Right. 
what are some other things that you can think of based on your challenges with me, you know, cause my challenges were quite extensive. It was uh, almost two years. Yeah. And in that two years, a lot had happened. Talk about those struggles a little bit and how you help me overcome those issues. Right. Um, I mean, there was a lot of scenarios. I, I, I the, the one that comes to mind most is, um, is I think when you had recently, um, you had just shared your story. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, I think you were ready to kind of finally go out to your first gathering. And it had been probably a year and a half since you had gone out, since you had been around people, um, since you've gone to any sort of event. And this was your friend's baby shower. You thought, you know what, I'm ready, so we're going to go to this. And at that point, I was so excited. And I was like, you know what, he's going to come with us. Like, we're going to have such a good time. Like, I can't believe, like, we're finally getting to go out as a family. I was so excited that you were also able to get yourself to the point where you felt that you can finally be around others. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 So we went and we had a great time and we came back home and I thought everything was fine and everything had gone um, really well. And then um, I noticed that you kind of started to sweat a little bit and you sat down on the, on the sofa and you were kind you kind of almost had this blank stare and you told me that you were having suicidal thoughts and I think that was the first time that you had told me that you were actually having suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. um you had told me about how you used to but I think that was the first time that you told me that you actually were and that I needed to call the suicide hotline and I thought no I can do this on my own I can calm him down on my own but I panicked I didn't know what to do I panicked I I didn't show up but I was inside I was panicking and I was like I can't do this I need to call the suicide hotline because I don't know what to do I don't know what to say am I going to say something that's going to make it worse am I going to say something that'll make it better I have no idea it was scary Mm. um I called the suicide hotline and I hate to say it but they actually weren't much help for me Mm -hmm. it's almost like what I was saying to them, they were listening, but they didn't hear me. Mm. They, it, the person just didn't really have much information to give me. And at that point, I thought, you know what? I just, I need to do this on my own. But um, I think by that point, you had calmed down a little bit and you were able to kind of come back from that place. And that was probably one of the scariest moments that I had experienced with you. That was by far probably the scariest moment that I had to go through with you. But I kept telling myself that you can do this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't fail him. And, you know, this is where he really needs you. You can't give up. And yeah. and I think that's one of the biggest things. No matter what, you just, you can't give up. And like you were saying, um, what advice would I give that's one of the biggest things is not to give up because at in a point in time like that, that's when that person really needs you. They need you so much and you not giving up. You might've, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm well, I don't know if the situation could have gotten worse at that point, but I know that if I would have given up, it probably would have. 
So um, don't give up. I think really believe in yourself. And um, another thing is, is that dealing with something like this isn't easy. So like we talked about before, um, not only should you check in with the person that's dealing with the mental health, um, you also need to check in with your mental health. Um, Dealing with a loved one who's going through something so strong, Mm -hmm. you always have to make sure to check in with them and yourself. Yeah. If I did not go to counseling, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, And don't set such high expectations for yourself. That's another thing that I learned through counseling. Don't set such high expectations for myself. I was wanting to do so much, but I didn't know how. And that's because I was setting such high expectations. I can't fix everything. I can't be perfect. I'm only human and I can only do so much without any other help. And... Oh, sorry. No, 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 go, please. Um, I, I was going to say that, like, it, it just me, be, like, you being there for that person, you're not giving up, you're checking in with yourself, checking in with them. You're, you're already doing more than you even know. You know, before you can take care of others, you must take care of yourself, right? Yeah. That sounds like a very real thing. Um, yeah especially when it comes to dealing with someone who is dealing with mental health issues. And in your case, you you had to constantly check in with a counselor to be able to be ready for those moments like you described where I had this influx of suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And so what I also find interesting is that uh, you mentioned what you called the suicide helpline and um, mm-hmm. that wasn't very helpful. Um, no. Now, for a lot of people hearing that, that may not be, <laughs> they're thinking, uh, they might be thinking, oh boy, I may not, might not want to rely on the suicide helpline. Now, I just want people to understand that that this, this is her experience. So this does not mean that you don't call the suicide helpline. That's line, right. Right. That's, that, that's not the message. I should have yeah, yeah. mentioned that. Sir. <laughs> that was just my experience. That, it just, exactly. Right. And, and I was also in a panic at that time, but. Right. Yeah. But even the the thing is, you told me to call them. You you knew you that you needed them, so I did it. Right. I, exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I knew at that specific yeah. point in time that I needed the suicide helpline. That was just yeah. a uh, a bad experience, unfortunately. Yeah. In that situation, you decided, you know what, you're just going to rely on yourself. Yeah. Uh, instead of the suicide helpline, what other things could you have done leading up to that point? Maybe you would have thought of a plan B or or an alternative step to deal with this issue. Like, what other things you feel as if you could have done? Um, I think that I probably first thing would be for you to breathe, because if you're not breathing, your heart rate's going to go up. Your your anxiety is going up. You're not calm, and and that's one of the biggest things. And once I could get you to breathe, I I have to talk to you. That's why I said before, talking is so important. I talk to you about the important things in your life, everything that you have going for you, everything that is worth um, being here being here for, uh, reminding you about all the people that love you. You know, kind of trying to push that anxiety out and trying to get those voices out of your head. And overpowering it with all the good in your life, everything that you had overcome, the fact that you were finally able to go out into public with um, for an event and and kind of remind you, because I think that happened a lot where you would forget 
everything that you had worked for and those voices kind of started to take over. I, I completely understand. We want to do everything that we can in those moments to exactly. uh, get through to someone who is um, struggling. Exactly. Um, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to mention that sometimes you can't always win in a situation like that where you, you might not know the right words to say. And I think in a situation like that, that's where you do, like, I don't want to mention that. You, that's I, I if I couldn't get you out of that place, I probably would have called 911 because I would have had to, I would have done anything to keep you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't expect myself to be able to save you every single time. I'm going to do the best I can, but if I can't, I mean, you have to call 911. Yeah. I don't want people hearing this to think that you're expected to, save this person you're expected to bring them out of this dark place that they're in at that moment because you're not but you're right. you're expected to try right and that's yeah. what i did yeah. and luckily i just ha- happened to have you get out of that place but if i didn't then i definitely i would have my next thing would have been to call 911 yeah yeah you know i, I i'm thinking about everything that you're saying and i I I am naturally a very deep person, a deep thoughted person, someone who takes these things, the these words, the the way you describe these things, the the emotions behind it. Uh, you know, I let that sink in for a second, and I and I self reflect. You know, I think about mm-hmm. our kids. Being a parent, we're responsible for these young kids who are growing up in a generation where, thank God, now more and more people are talking about mental health and talking about issues highly stigmatizing issues as good as the world is now in terms of talking about it it makes me wonder if it's something that's going to be sustainable long term and i hope to god that it is but i Mm -hmm. a big part of that sustainability has to do with uh, parents and parents talking to their kids you know setting an example at a very young age talking about scenarios that might be uncomfortable to them but you know what you still got to do it you know you're a parent you got to talk about this with your kids and and i you know i think about our boys and i and i think about how big of a responsibility we have again as i mentioned earlier mental health is is such a big topic today but we want to keep it sustainable long term and of course with that sustainability kids who are now older as adults who are now living in a world where mental health awareness and all these other issues and awarenesses are normalized sure enough through this normalization they're going to start to refer to their own thoughts and their and, and be true to their own feelings and their own emotions if they're not well equipped um to deal with those emotions and that baggage in the future then Mm -hmm. they can get derailed quite quickly and so shifting this to you you know as a parent with two boys what advice would you give to other parents then who are raising children what values do you believe should be instilled from a very young age for kids who have to grow up in this world so this way when they do eventually get to those moments they'll be well equipped and well prepared Mm mm-hmm no, I, well, I, first, I just want to say that I strongly agree, like, living in a world like this today, um, I think it's very important to teach kids at a young age that um, no means no, especially because you went through 
sexual abuse. So you, you didn't know what was going on, but, and you didn't, maybe you didn't know to say no. So I think um, teaching that no means no is very important. Um, I find that adults maybe sometimes don't take kids seriously when they say no. So no means no is definitely one of the biggest things. Um, Teaching kids it's okay to cry. Mm. A lot of um, parents might tell their kids, don't cry, don't cry. And I mean, I've also caught myself saying that and I have to remind myself that, you know what, let him cry. Once he's done, we'll talk about it. So it's definitely okay to cry. Right. I if if it's okay for me to cry, it's definitely okay for kids to cry. So I think um reminding your kids that it's okay to cry and um talking about it. Um talk about what they might be feeling and but talk to somebody they feel safe with. So yeah. talking to their parents, to their grandparents, um maybe even they might want to just talk to to their aunt and uncle. You, they might feel that, you know what, I, I don't really feel like talking to my mom and dad about this. So I want to talk to my grandma and grandpa or whoever it might be. But yeah. um I think talking about it is a, a big thing. So, you know, if they're crying because they're upset about something, doesn't matter how big or small talk to them about it it's going to teach them to open up in, in in the future especially the boys yeah right yeah boys are always told to you know toughen up exactly to, why are you crying exactly. you know like you're not gonna be strong exactly like, no. yeah but i think now it's starting to kind of slowly come out there that you know what doesn't matter if you're a boy a man a girl like it, it doesn't matter how old you are it's okay to cry yeah exactly yeah. And lastly for that, I would say to always believe your child. If your child comes up to you and tells you that something happened to them, believe them. Don't second guess it. Look into it. Believe your child. Don't push it aside. If your child says, this happened to me, somebody's doing this to me, believe them. Yeah. It's it's that easy that you just need to believe them. If they say this is happening to me or this has happened to me, believe them. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. agree. And uh, and I say it's important for boys. We alluded to it, you know, it's because boys have been told early to toughen up, that you're strong. And in moments when they want to cry or they want to lash out a little bit or, or they've always been you know, told to essentially guard their emotions, right? Yeah. Um, that's what that those words do. Be strong. You know, that that is telling a young child to to guard their emotions. That's that's mm-hmm. not the world we um live in. You know, it's and it's not the world you want your a child to live in. You know, it's a, uh, and that's why as parents we do what we do and we instill what we instill. We always are telling our kids it's okay to cry and to to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And even if they're angry, it's okay to be angry. But we follow that up with this is what is required to calm yourself down, breathe. Um, yeah. to respect, talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, no means no. You know, as you mentioned, yeah, no means no, and that's so so important because yeah. as it relates to sexual abuse, a majority of sexual abuse survivors, their their perpetrators are men. It's it's such a difficult thing to talk about, but it's the truth. You know, yeah. it's a, a majority of the uh, perpetrators are men, and so we need to do a better job with our boys at a young age. So this way, when they are in positions 
where you know they they understand no means no they understand giving somebody their space they understand mm-hmm. not taking advantage of a situation this is stuff that we got to instill early on as parents exactly right no i 100% and, agree and and that's what my question earlier was about a uh, view on mental health for men you know even though i know mental health does not discriminate and it does not care whether your color of your skin, et cetera, as I mentioned earlier. For men, it's specifically important because we hear a lot from women, but we don't hear enough from men. From a, from a male's perspective, it's extremely important that more men talk about their issues and allow themselves to be put in positions of vulnerability. So this way, more and more people can heal, more and more men can come forward and more and more tools can be instilled to get through things in life. Exactly. It's it's so important. And so we're just about to close up here. And I just wanted to, first off, I, I just wanted to just say how amazing you are, you know, um, you know, from, hmm, I'm not going to allow myself to get really uh, emotional here, <laughs> but from 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 someone's uh, perspective who's dealt with um, mental health issues firsthand, um, I can tell you that um, you know I have been in positions when I thought to myself that it was just me, myself, and Aaron. You know, even even in positions when I knew you were in my corner, it, it, my 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 issues were so selfish that i i just couldn't think about anybody else you know i couldn't see yeah. somebody's support in front of me i couldn't see somebody's love and care in front of me when it was there you know mm-hmm. it, it blinded all aspects of my uh, of how i viewed people and and how i perceived people and i couldn't tell whether their uh, interests in me were genuine or if it was something that they wanted to use right, right. from a survivor's perspective and someone who's dealt with mental health issues i just want to say thank you because you are a leading example of someone who uh, just simply didn't give up on me. Uh, right. And that's important here is to deal with when you're dealing with somebody who is dealing with mental health issues, it's it's important to not give up and, and allow yourself to go to counseling and d- develop tools and skills and resources to be able to apply on the fly, whether it's your significant other, your kid, so whoever it is that you love and care about is dealing with these issues, right? So right. I just absolutely uh, adore you for that you are a godsend i appreciate you just want to ask one last thing is there anything that i didn't ask you today that you uh wanted to talk about i think no i i just want to remind people that you know what if you're in my situation you've got this Mm -hmm. you can do it just believe in yourself get help for yourself as well but you have got this you can do it and yes. I believe in you because if I can do it, so can you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Manpreet, yeah. thank you for this interview. No, to speak you. O- Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> to speak on mental health issues, whether it's your own or in support of someone else's, cannot be easy. So it requires a lot of bravery. So thank you. Um, and that's a wrap, fam. Follow Beneath the Mask on Instagram at handle Beneath the Mask podcast. And for anyone who is looking to be heard, Share your story today at BeneathTheMaskPodcast.com. To my people, keep your head up, and I'll see you in the next one. Take care.